Hey everybody, thanks for stopping by. I'm Eric Johnson, and this is the Burley Flow Podcast. Every week, I post a story from up here in Burley Flow, Wisconsin, the little town on the banks of the Mississippi River I returned to after 20 years away. Now that I'm back, I want to share this place with you here with the podcast at the website at burlyflow.com with my book and with my Patreon site, which, among other things, has a podcast of its own for members. So if you like what you hear, please subscribe and then check out some of the other stuff. I think you'll enjoy it. Now, let's get to this week's story. The rain had fallen most of the night and showed no signs of letting up now that it was morning, leaving us all a rainy Saturday to figure out what to do with. You know the kind of day I'm talking about. For some, it's a movie day. For some, a go-back-to-bed day. For others, it's a clean-out-the-closet-and-eat-ice-cream day. For just about everyone, it's a stay-at-home-if-you-can day. Except me. Days like this remind me of my childhood raincoat and all the adventures we get into. It was a yellow Gordon's Fisherman-style slicker with metal clasp fasteners and a hat, and the adventures centered around not fishing, which would have made sense, but getting the fish sticks to market. At the time, I could think of no more virtuous job than that, which tells you something about how much I love my fish sticks, and still do. So rainy days like this one were sure to get me out. In this case, to the prop wash for coffee. Not everyone there shared my enthusiasm, though. Shelley Cochran in particular seemed a little on the grumpy side, but I think that had less to do with the rain than with Trudy calling in on account of water in her basement. Shelley had a standing appointment to get her toes done on Saturday, and about the only thing that could keep her from it was one of the weekend crew calling in. Neglected toes lead to customer woes, she liked to say, and he got the feeling she wasn't joking. Billy Pomeroy, though. Whatever it was that had him staring so dejectedly into his tomato juice was certainly compounded by the rain. He looked emotionally waterlogged. Everything all right? I asked in his direction. I was at the end of the counter. He was in the middle. He shrugged. I just realized something is all. You could tell he knew he should hold on to it, this thing he just realized. But when you're working through something, a day like that manhandles your resolve. Not that Billy Pomeroy was known for his resilience. When it came down to what was on his mind, he was more or less an open book. I'm never going to have a mountain named after me, is what he finally blurted out. I was pretty sure he was speaking metaphorically, but then again, I'd seen the way he looked up at the bluffs, so I couldn't say for sure. Still, I understood what he was talking about. In fact, I remember when I realized I hadn't made that list of greatest writers in their 20s. I was about 34. I was about 44 when it dawned on me that I'd missed the in their 30s list, and now that I'm thinking about it, I squandered my 40s too, damn it. And not to look ahead or anything, but I'm not exactly setting the world on fire during the first half of my 50s, either. 
The point is, we've all fallen short of our goals because most of the time, frankly, our goals are outrageous. The thing is, and I think this is important, a lot of our achievements were long shots too, but because we weren't always looking for them, we forgot to be impressed. Things like friendship come to mind. I wasn't sure how to say all that, so instead I reached into my pocket and pulled out my Swiss Army knife. I've never used the corkscrew, I said, but that doesn't mean it hasn't been valuable to me. Billy shrugged again, but didn't look up from his tomato juice. I've never understood the deal with mountains anyway, Shelley offered from the coffee station, where she'd been brewing a fresh pot. Mount McKinley isn't Mount McKinley anymore, and K2 doesn't even have a name. Anyway, Meg Ryan never had sex on the kitchen floor, and she got over it. At that, Billy looked up. How on earth could you possibly know that, he asked. Shelley looked at me, then at Billy, then back to me. After she left us to go top off coffees, I knew what movie she was talking about, but decided not to take sides. Billy and I sat for a few minutes, listening to the rain on the roof. Though it was certainly atmospheric, we didn't really have a choice. As a converted Quonset hut, you're never quite able to ignore the rain. Not with all that metal up there. Shelley actually had quite a few coffees to top off. While Billy and I might have been the only ones at the counter, the tables were mostly full of summer folk, because what Saturdays trigger for locals is entirely different than what they trigger for visitors, particularly in the summer. Actually, you can take it to the bank. On a rainy Saturday morning in the summer, the town will be flooded, so to speak, with campers looking for breakfast. You can find them parked at the prop wash. You can find them on either side of Whitaker Street, from the bilge pump to the Weezer. You'll know they're campers because of their empty bike racks. Bike racks indicate families or couples either experimenting with the outdoors or with each other. Neither group has the patience or the equipment to weather a rainy morning at the campsite, even if some of the families have arrived pulling campers. In these situations, the kids-per-square-foot ratio just doesn't favor the parents. Townsfolk have no real need for bikes. Most now have UTVs that seem to provide all the fun with none of the effort, and those that do have bikes certainly don't need bike racks when they've got perfectly good truck beds to throw them into. Not that any of them have any reason to take their bikes out of town. Vehicles with roof racks sporting kayak carriers, usually outbacks or hardtop jeeps, are another thing entirely. They're almost never seen in town on rainy days because those who drive them are the kind of folks who actually prefer getting wet prizing the misery merit badge above all others. The relationship between Burley Flo and its summer folk is nuanced, to say the least. If you don't live here, you might not realize just how many of the people charging around in the summer aren't from here. As busy as it gets, it never has the frenzied feel of, say, that town in Jaws. There aren't businesses exclusively tailored to exploit the itinerant population, Instead, it's the regular businesses that are doing it, because it's the vacationing and the passing through that do what the rest of us can't, spend enough money in the places we need to keep them around. The fill-and-chill, Eldon's Market, the prop wash, the bars. 
none of the bedrock businesses we rely on would be able to keep their doors open if it was just us. Just as the houses on Longbow all face the river, the businesses in town all face the summer folk. That said, it's not always easy to be welcoming to these people, especially if you work at one of the businesses. And this morning was a perfect example. Over there, you've got your blue table speculators, Shelley explained when she came back from topping everyone off. These were some of the long-term summer folk, many of whom owned the homes on Longbow the rest of us admired. They tended to gather at the blue table by the window, because from there they could keep an eye on the comings and goings on Longbow. They had just enough skin in the game to have some say over what happened in town, but they only cared about their little bit of it. Frequently, you could overhear them complaining about all the ways the village didn't appreciate them, everything from sewer lines to taxes. They earned their speculator name from the way they saw everything in terms of a potential investment. What better way to let everyone know you've got money than to talk about all the ways you could spend it to make even more? In that way, they were busybodies of the first order, always trying to one-up each other with their knowledge of how much a neighboring house was selling for or what it would take to convert one of those junky upstairs apartments downtown into proper loss and get rid of the riffraff in the process. You realize I charge them a dollar more for coffee than the rest of you guys, right? She calls it her blue table tax. Another persistent group, she said, were the problem solvers a generic term for those confident weekenders immediately able to size up and solve the town's many problems. It wouldn't take anything to turn one of those vacant storefronts into a craft store. Think about it. River-themed crafts from around the area? Maybe even classes? It would be so easy. Or a ghost tour. Plenty of creepy old houses here. Or what about specialty breads? What do you need to do that? An oven? a mixer, some cooling racks. You could do that without even maxing out a credit card. By the end of their meal, they've convinced themselves that given a few weeks and a couple of motivated locals, they could make this place a real destination spot, Jelly said. And then she said, locking eyes with me, there were the complainers. There was nothing special about them other than their impossibly high threshold for satisfaction. I shot Billy a look to check his reaction. His face was still gloomy and his eyes were still downcast, but he was blushing a little, which was a good sign. That meant he'd pulled out of his funk at least far enough to have a little self-awareness, and that was a first step in the right direction. On the whole, though, most everyone's friendly enough and happy to have a place like this to escape to, even if our bread is enriched wheat and our best crafts do come from the Hobby Lobby in Dubuque. Shelley said. And as for ghost tours, well, that's pretty much just a trip uptown. In a place as small as this, just about everybody is somebody's ghost. Going against prop wash policy, which very clearly states that only coffee and pop get refills, she took Billy's glass and filled it back up with tomato juice. So what do you say, Billy? If you can't be a mountain, how does a ghost of the prop wash counter strike you? The rain fell hard on the roof as he thought it through. One of the blue table speculators was waiting at the register to settle up, but Shelley didn't budge. Finally, Billy smiled. You know, 
None of the bluffs around here are all that tall anyway, he said. But what's this about Meg Ryan and the kitchen floor? Well, that's it for this week. Thanks for stopping by, and if you get a chance, don't forget to check out the website at burlyflow.com. There's some cool stuff there I think you'll like. Thanks again. We'll catch you later. <laughs>